You're settled in for the next three hours. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> hey, that was such, I am teared up, Scott. Such oh a good goodness. welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for asking us to speak and trusting us with a microphone today. Um, you should keep yours just in case you disagree with anything we say. Please <laughs> just give us like a horn, like, like wrong, not in the Bible. Fact check that. <laughs> Fact check. Fact Right, except the theology horn. I love it. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. Um, Scott has known me since I was 12. And, um, yeah, I mean, I owe a lot to, to Scott and Lacey and my, my journey as a worship leader, as a young man. And um, they just, they consistently cheered me on in all facets of everything that I did. And... You know, I was bad at like 13, 14. You're just like a small, small kid that just like has a heart for Jesus. And like, I remember like getting a guitar for Christmas and then being, oh, thank you so much. Like the next week having to lead a song at a youth group prior, like it just, that's kind of how I started. And they have been through a lot of that. And yeah, I mean, just so many open doors and opportunities have come from just their, their, uh, just being in my life, and I'm really grateful for both of them. And again, thanks for letting us speak here tonight. Um, I keep saying tonight; it's only like three o'clock. I know it's three this afternoon. And you've been up since five. You're yeah. Like, what time is it? <laughs> uh, before we get started to kind of the the bulk content of what we're talking about today, which is worshiping in spirit and in truth, um, we go ahead and elaborate. We want to share kind of how we got started in worship, this is something that we've talked about before, but not here in a long time. So, um, of course, you heard a lot of what he and Scott just said, but tell me, uh, was it hard being a PK and good at guitar all at once, and just the world handed to you on a silver platter? Oh, yeah. Is that what happened? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was so easy. Right. So fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, still is. Um, but yeah, uh, I was I got a I started playing guitar when I was really really young and then stopped because I fell in love with football, and my dad fell in love with football and me and my dad's dream was you know every dad I think is like sports yes so as soon as you show any kind of interest they just like all the way in you know so I played all the way till my like freshman year of high school and then what happened at around age twelve thirteen is that my mom and dad went to a Jesus Culture conference here in Atlanta. And it wasn't Jesus culture. It was, like, 80 people um, with, like, Kim and Banning. And I don't even know if you guys were there. You were there. Wow. Wow. First one They're ever? Very, I think, yeah. Wow. I didn't know that. So I remember it was Lou Engel was there. Yeah. And it's the same place off, like, Highway 34. Every time I pass there, I'm like, oh, that's where I got the, the crap scared out of me by Lou Engel. Um <laughs> Seriously, at age 12, right, or 12, 13, and, like, I, I've been to a few conferences before, but it was, like, forward conferences, which those are incredible or amazing, but um, I'd never been to, like, a charismatic <laughs> conference before, and as a 12-year-old, um, there's just a lot of things that if 
they don't happen consistently in your church that you're at, and then you go and you're like, what is happening right now? And um, I mean, I remember the first night going to that Jesus Culture conference. My so me and dad kind of just brought me with him, and what happened was about second song in, I look and my dad is weeping uncontrollably. Well, yeah, come on. But at the moment, I was like, what is happening? Like, <laughs> my strength and my, my anchor of, like, what my meter for what's going on in this room has completely just melted into a, a puddle on the floor. Excuse me, I just spit. And there's, like, 13 people that are, like, praying hardcore and, like, going after it, and they're looking at me, like, are you his son? I was like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> and I remember getting so freaked out. This is really, really funny and just, like, humorous to me now, but I got so scared then that, and because my dad was just a wreck the entire time. Like, it was like, I wasn't able to have a conversation with him. Like, it just, it just was him having an encounter with the love of God and me being terrified. So I, like, <laughs> asked him, for, I literally asked him for the keys to our minivan because I was so scared. And I laid down on the back of my minivan and I prayed this prayer. I'm not joking. God, if you get me out of this weekend alive, I will serve you the rest of my life. <laughs> like, quote end quote. And like, you know, I just, I don't know why I was, I just think that's so funny. That I was so scared. Anyway, the, the last night of that conference, I go up to the front for prayer because they had, had an open altar call or some of those things. And my dad had kind of like encouraged me, like, you should go up there and all those things. And I get up there and I'm really reluctant and a little scared and all these things. And Lou Engel, you know, is at the front and he's like, God is going to burn. I mean, like, couldn't understand a word he was saying. Snot's coming out of his nose, like, makes eye contact with you, and his eyes are on fire, and you're, like, just scared, but, like, it just hits you hardcore. And then I remember this, like, eight-year-old coming up and putting his hand on my shoulder and praying for me, and this really radical, like, just heartfelt from the Father type prayer, and it just, that was, I think, one of my close first encounters of having awareness of I'm having an encounter with the Holy Spirit, and what is, th what is this? How do I interact with this? Why is this moving me? Why am I, um, you know, you just go through all those, those questions, and it marked me, and I left that conference going back to the, the church that we were kind of involved with, and I was singing from the inside out. Um, I sing that every week for like six, six months, and great song, such an oldie, but such a goodie, and um, I just was, I was never the same after that. I was like, I want to worship. I want to lead worship. I want to be in the presence of God. I don't know what that looks like. And it was tough for a season because we weren't in a place that really had that. I was playing guitar and elective at, a, at my school, mainly because I joined, excuse me, I'm sorry, because I had a crush on this girl. But it got me actually playing guitar. And I fell in love with guitar, not the girl, which was great. Because right. she, yes. <laughs> And, um, and then we found, found Bethel, and um, the, I'll just keep sharing because it's funny. But, like, literally, like, we're going to go try out this church. We pull up into, a, like, a baseball field that was, like, half-grown, and we're walking through trails, and I'm literally thinking, like, oh, my God, oh, my God. Like, what, we're back, back to that crazy conference. We walk in the house. There's, like, 50 people there. And, like, they were doing worship and, like, microphones weren't even plugged in like they just had microphones that didn't have cords or like any they were, I mean literally they were just no holding okay, I like, and I think it was to show like where stage started yeah. or like hey we are leading this sort of that makes more sense but there was no sound <laughs> it was like literally three people had a djembe two acoustic guitars and Paul Spencer just going crazy 
Yes, and shaking his head crazily, and it fre- that's my first his worship first pastor, worship which I love him dearly. And I literally remember looking at my parents, and they're again just freaked out, or like you know, just like standing still and having encounters. And then I'm like, "We are, Lord, I thought I prayed this prayer. Why are we back <laughs> around a bunch of crazy people? Like, why?" And um, and Paul was the first one. I think my dad probably you know, gave him a $5 bill or something to say, hey, go talk to my son. But <laughs> he got me involved, and um, it literally was me at 12 and 13 showing up for practices, not plugging into anything, and really just experiencing worship and a team dynamic. And not even, I remember my first Sunday that I, my first Sunday that I ever got to play, a, like, uh, on a Sunday team or whatever, and I was, like, 14 years old. I didn't even have my guitar plugged into anything. Like, nothing what I was doing was being heard by anybody but I remember being like remember thinking like this is awesome like I love this so much and uh, that's kind of how I, I kind of got started and and then you know doing youth group and being a PK which is what you talked about um, and just doing that every week for months and months and months without breaks or anything and then serving on Sunday teams and I remember being 16 and, like, we had multiple locations driving sound equipment from, <laughs> from after youth group back to Sunday and, like, all these things. It was a great season. It was a lot of fun. Um, so that's kind of how I got started. And then music kind of happened outside of church a little bit for a season and for a period. And then those things kind of – we also met at a school of ministry. We did. Look around. Your future spouse may be already here. You may be married to them. Brad and Nan. Look at each other. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, we. Wow! Yeah! Lori. I love it. Yeah, I, I was the one. We, you know, we're both, we're both pastors' kids, we're both BKs. I swore that I would never go to a school of ministry because I had all I needed to know already. And I also swore that I would never go to right? a school of ministry. For other reasons. <laughs> but, but of course, Lord was like, snap out of it. So I get there, and then I was like, okay, Lord, I'm, never, I'm not going to be ring by spring, girl. And I wasn't. I was ring by the next spring. So loophole there. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, we met um, through the worship elective there. And um, really, really thankful for, for that season of our life. But um, so the, the way that I kind of got started, pastor's kid, my parents uh, pastored in Assemblies of God Church um, my entire life. My mom grew up Church of God, and also uh, Word of Faith. It was a very, my family kind of floated between camps, so to speak. Um, so, and then when I was a teenager, my parents uh, were introduced to Bethel Church in Reading and the sermons and the books. and. And that's something that they um, encouraged me to, to get into, especially around the topic of worship. Um, because at the time, you know, there it just was an amazing, it's still a, as an amazing resource to understand how to steward worship, especially in leadership too. And so, um, and that's what, you know, made me find out that there was a school of ministry in town and we, and we met and everything. But, um, but I was um, 12 years old and my mom said, okay, you're in youth group. Therefore, you are in the choir. <laughs> and so they had just stopped wearing robes. And I was so excited. I was like, I missed the mark. Yes, I don't have to wear a robe. Did anybody grow up with robe choirs in here? Everybody. That was the norm, I guess, up until like 2005. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, 
I know. It was a while. It was a while. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, props to the robes, but practically, you get very sweaty in those robes. So <laughs> I was excited that I missed that. Um, so I joined the choir. Uh, my mom was like, okay, I see you have this on your life, so whether you like it or not, we're going to practice and we're going to do it. And I did like it and I enjoyed it, but I sang harmony on like the choir and then you have like the six-person row and stuff. And when I was like 15, they're like, okay, now you're going to go up there and you're going to sing, sing a harmony part. And I sang tenor, which is the boy harmony. So me and my grown man youth pastor were singing the same harmony part. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, we love you. <laughs> it was very funny looking back on it now. Uh, but I've grown up around it. My mom is a worship leader and worship pastor. And so it's just something was um, a part of our family culture, you know, and it's something that we have made sure doesn't um, fall in our lap just because it's a part of our family. That it's something that we make sure that we're responsible and stewarding and making sure that it never becomes, this is just what we do. Yeah. This is just how we know how to do it. So this is the way we're going to keep doing it forever and ever and ever. And we're never going to change. We're never going to grow. Whatever. I think the Lord has really made sure, and especially in the position that we are now, that we're always very intentional about why we're doing what we need to do. And if there's ever a reset that needs to be happened, then make sure that we're proactive in that to say, Lord, come and know me come and check me, make sure we're humble, make sure we're doing what you have called us to do. So um, it's just something that um, we're really thankful that we both grew up in environments yeah. that uh, valued that and that Chris and Terry have trusted us so young to have uh, the spot that we're in now to make sure that we carry that well in this church. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah and worship is so transformative. And the reason why it's so transformative is because you have an encounter with God. And due to that, you never want to leave his presence. And that's why I think we've, we just do that, the, the priority of, of having worship in our home, like practically, not because we have to practice for Sunday or it's because we play an instrument or we sing or whatever. It's because we actually love the presence of God and it is owed to him and he is deservant of all of our our worth and worship so it just is now it comes to this place now where it's so natural for us that it happens daily and and um yeah we really we really love love worship and we're excited to to do this tonight um quick quick props um matt jada uh sierra and polly michael and michael yes Give them a round of applause. This morning was awesome. Worship and creativity done very well. It we, was yeah. awesome. It was amazing. It was so good. It was, um, it was really, really great. So I guess we can jump in now. Let's do um, it. If you're taking notes, we have a lot for you today. Um, <laughs> I, I, I love, I'm a study person. So I'm going to give you a lot of addresses to the scriptures that we're talking about. So um, also uh, near the end, we hope to have time, maybe 10, 15 minutes to do a little bit of Q&A. So if you have anything that you want us to elaborate on or anything random around the subject of worship, uh, write it down and we'll, we'll see if we can get to it at the end. Um, you want to start us off or you want yeah, I'm going to pray real quick, and then we'll, we'll jump in. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for what, you, uh, what has happened today and that your presence has just met us here. And um, 
we're just so uh, in love with you. We're so in love with your presence. We are so in love that we get the opportunity to uh, flavor <laughs> flavor our lives with worship and that we get to give you um, just everything that you're deserving of. And we love you. All glory is to you. All honor to you. We ask you to just come and be with us this afternoon. And uh, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Uh, well, today, like Julie said, we, we wanted to talk to you guys about how to become people who worship God in spirit and in truth. And um, I think we've shared, like on Vision Sunday, we shared a little bit, but I'll reiterate something, that our vision for the worship department here at Resurgent is to be a house, a presence center that prioritizes prioritizes and hosts the presence of God. It's our prayer that our house will be known for worshipers who worship God in spirit and in truth. And uh, that passage is from John four twenty three, And um, yeah, wherever God is worshiped in spirit and truth, his kingdom is established, his freedom reigns, and the works of the enemy are destroyed. You want to read through, yeah. through this a little bit? Um, if you have your Bibles or your notes, we're in John 4. And we're going to read through 1 through 26. This is a story that's probably familiar to, to a lot of you. Jesus and the woman from Samaria. Um, I'm going to fast forward to verse 7. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples have gone away to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, Um, How is it that you, a Jewish man, ask for a drink from me, a woman from Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is saying to you, give me a drink, that you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, and as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks from the water that I give will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Verse 15, the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so I will not be thirsty again or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you're right in saying this, for you've had five, and the one that you now have now is not even your husband. What you have said is true. And the woman said, uh, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you, say, um, that, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem Will you worship the Father? You will worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jewish people. But the hour is coming, and now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, He's who, who is called Christ, When he comes, he will tell us all these things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. I love that. I love that she has an encounter with Jesus himself. I think it's funny right here. She says, I know that the Messiah is coming, and when he comes, he's going to tell me everything that you just told me just now. And he's like, that just happened. (laughs) 
I am he. I am Christ. I just, I just think that's um, funny. I think Jesus has a really good sense of humor. Um, so, but the hour is coming, and now here, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Yeah, so we're going to kind of give context to what does this mean. Yep. And um, we're going to start with the, the, the spirit section first. Mm-hmm. So um, to worship in spirit, it must be sincere, motivi- motivated by our love for God and gratitude for all he is and all he's done. All physical postures or symbolic actions must be infused with heartfelt commitment, faith, love, and zeal. And who is here to help us do that? Holy Spirit, thank you. <laughs> yeah, the Holy Spirit's help. Uh, Philippians three three says, "Who worship by the Spirit of God?" What does that mean to worship by the Spirit of God? We have to look at the context of Philippians three of what Paul is talking about here. In context, Paul is talking about all the physical natural qualifications and disqualifications of being brought into righteousness, right standing with the Father um, of God. It's faith, truth, confidence, not in ourselves, but what Jesus has done to bring us into the fold, into the family. When we understand that we worship by the Spirit of God, it should shed the feelings of having to create moments, but simply shift into the enjoyment of what he's already provided. He's already qualified us. He's torn the veil. His presence is here, manifested. God with us, Emmanuel. The Holy Spirit's presence is always there, always ready for interaction. The veil is torn, and that same Spirit even lives inside of us. So when we, I think there's something that, you know, that we need to, I think everybody knows, but the, God is omnipresent. His presence is everywhere, right? But there's something special that happens when we respond to that truth, there's an engagement. There's a shift in the atmosphere. There's physical manifestations of him that come whenever we come into agreement with what already is true, that his presence is with us, you know, that we have full access to the Father. And through what Jesus has done, he is ready to come and interact with his people. And the question is, are we ready, you know? What role do we play, right? Again, we don't have to make it happen, but we just have to steward the truth of what God, who he is and what he's doing, right? So. Yeah, it's the Holy Spirit that awakens in us the understanding of God's beauty, splendor, and power. It's the Holy Spirit who stirs us to celebrate and rejoice and give thanks. It's the Holy Spirit who opens our eyes to see that all the Savior has done. It's the Holy Spirit who... Um, yeah, that we hope and pray that orchestrates everything that we do. And I think one of the, the biggest compliments that that we've received or um, wish to receive is that we, for a season two, we would go, um, when Resurgent was on Saturday nights, we would go to other houses on Sunday mornings and, and, um, and partnering. And um, we loved that season. And um, one of the, my favorite things that we still get to do is bring people in from other atmospheres or churches to come in and, and help serve and partner with us. Like one of the um, musicians this morning is not an attendee of our church. She goes to Passion or and, and she plays there. And um, But one of the big things that we've recurrently had 
is that the language around this is, hey, I thoroughly enjoyed myself in worship this morning. And there's something here that makes me have fun or makes me want to focus in on on what God's doing more. And, and it really is because I think that we've, we've, we've really tried to, you know, till the ground or plow the ground to worship by the Spirit, in the Spirit, so that we don't ever leave or, you know, exclude the presence of God for the sake of excellence or for the sake of a show or for the sake of performance-driven worship. Um, and in my, in my um, experience, there are aspects about those things that are, are, are cool. Thumbs up, right? But the thing that I think we do not want to ever forsake is the presence of God. Like, I would rather have a guitar that's barely in tune and the presence of God fall heavily than have massive things and not once come out of there being like, did I actually have an encounter with God? And um, so that's just, a, I think that's something to take part of is the Holy Spirit helps us do that. This is why we yield. This is why we steward. Um, it's always motivated by love, always sustained by the Holy Spirit. Um, we worship by the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit partners with us to show, how, show us how to worship. It's something that we do co- uh, that's very cooperative, um, and it's a cooperative effort with the Spirit of God. Yeah. And uh, anything else that you have on that? He is the great worship director. He is. Yeah. Yeah. That's why we yield. That's why we steward. Um, so let's talk about worshiping in truth. There's three different points we kind of want to make underneath this. The first one is the importance of the word of God. When we worship in truth, our worship must be rooted and tethered to the realities of biblical revelation, right? Mm -hmm. John 1, if the word is made flesh, Jesus, it's Jesus, he will never contradict himself. The word of God is our primary revelation. That means everything else lines up with the nature and the truth of God, right? So it must be doctrinally grounded and focused on the truth of all that we know who God is, right? To worship inconsistently with what has been revealed to us in Scripture is ultimately degenerative into idolatry, right? So uh, worship should uh, incite a physical response. Second part of uh, worshiping in truth, posture and response is an important part of worship. And we're not just talking about just in a public or a corporate setting, but in your personal time, too. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. But worship should incite a physical response, whether joy, tears, etc., or just the obedience of physical posture. You know, it, I'm, I'm not, I will never judge someone of having a deeper encounter with God up here dancing or up there on the floor in the back. Because God's up here and he's up, he's down there, right? He could be pouring into someone who you think is bored, right? There are many different, (laughs) there are many different expressions of worship. If we were all the same, that would be quite boring and quite annoying (laughs) and almost competitive, right? God is encountering people in different ways all the time. That's what makes worship so much fun is that it doesn't look like just one thing. It's a response to him, but no response at all, that's not worthy of who he is, right? 
we have to make sure that we are being obedient with the Holy Spirit's leading us to do in any setting of worship. Again, whether you're in your car, you know, whether you are laying down to go to sleep or you're in here on a Sunday morning, there, uh, it, it should incite some type of response from you. This is an Old Testament and New Testament principle. There are invitations both here. So lifting hands, dancing, bowing, etc. So uh, Romans 12.1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. This isn't just talking about martyr- martyrdom, right? So holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Offering your bodies as living sacrifices in worship. This is truth. So Jesus himself criticized the worship and the religious leaders in his day by saying that they honor God with their lips and not with their heart. So you could have a physical response and your heart be far from him, right? We see it a lot. Again, I will never judge someone because someone dancing up here, you know, may be thinking about what they're going to eat at Applebee's after service. (laughs) And someone you think who is bored in the back having one of the heaviest revelations of God they've ever had, okay? So I just think it's beautiful how God is so, he, he knows how to communicate to each of us individually. So um, Matthew 15, 7 through 9. Uh, I lost my place, hang on. True worship, that, that's where he talks about worshiping with your lips but not with your heart is Matthew 15, 7 through 9. But true worship must engage the heart, the affections, the totality of our being. Um, do you want to add anything here before? Yeah. Um, so truth aspect, you know, doesn't get nearly as much like yay attention as spirit does, you know. Um, but I think it's it, it, it's such a unique balance and we have to have both and they both need to be emphasized. And I think that some of the things that I've had breakthrough in, in my worship in the last, you know, maybe four to five years is is this this. Um, this quote, I'm going to read it. Um, the study of God is for the worship of God. The practice of theology is for the purpose of doxology. And that, the last three or four years, coming to the understanding that, like, I've got to be in the Word daily, that I have to be um, getting to know God in the Word so that I can have foundational truth in what I'm, you know, in worship, so that it is actually honoring and actually glorifying who he is because of what he's done and what his word says. And I think for a lot of times, too, again, not there's uh, um, being honoring here, but like the ignorance and laziness of the study of God has got to stop in order for true people, true sons and daughters to worship in spirit and truth. Like, getting in the Word daily again, I think even incorporating Scripture into your, your modems of worship or your, your free praise modems of worship help you get an articulation of who He is. And they help you fundamentalize your, the language of who He is. And those truths and those moments of worship are actually way more powerful than some creative melody. Yes, melodies are awesome, and music is great, and free praise and high praise is awesome, but if it's not truth from what you've been feeding yourself, 
it isn't honoring or glorifying. Um, it's just from a place of emotionalism versus his truth. Makes sense? So read your Bible. Yes. What's that vine? Uh, <laughs> I want a church girl who comes and reads her Bible. <laughs> and read your read Bible. Your Bible. Um, uh, Some fun fact. We, like, literally watch YouTube videos of, like, vines. Oh, Does anybody know. miss Vine? Yeah. I feel old, too old for TikTok, but Vine and was Facebook, my oh, high geez, school. So tough. So, um, anyway, um, to add on to kind of what you're saying about the importance of studying in the Word, I feel like especially, and I'm, I'm not going to, you know, include everyone in this generation into this one statement. It's just something that I've noticed that, like you're saying, the kind of stray away from the importance of studying the word because I think for so long there was such a heavy emphasis on that. And then people were like, I'm studying, I'm doing all I know to do, I'm being the best Christian I know how to do, but I still feel lonely. <laughs> like I'm still not getting filled up. And I feel like, I think this, the Holy Spirit spoke to me this morning, Michael, when you were talking about coming to know Jesus and being, fa- uh, you know, fascinated by him is that we have been focusing so much on knowing God, knowing everything there is to know about God, and then we never were fully known ourselves by God, and people have run in the opposite direction, saying, God knows me, so why do I need to read the Bible? (laughs) You know, why do I need to go over there? And I just feel like there is a centering that Jesus is, is pulling us to right now because he is the word. Let the word know you, you know, and know the word. It's so important to be worshipers of spirit and truth. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think there, there are really amazing voices in, in worship right now that are, are recognizing this. Yeah. And they're like, they're starting to not be fearful of uh, calling out culture for what it is, yeah. you know? Like Rick Pino has some really incredible teachings on some of this stuff. Jeremy Riddle right now has a book that we're going to walk through with our worship leaders. It's unbelievable, but it's it's highlighting some of these things that as young leaders, we could sense and have discernment on, like, what is this thing that's missing and yeah. something that, like, you see all, you know, and I, I, love, I love technology, I love podcasts, I love messages, I love going to watch a YouTube video and turn it on and, you know, I've got amazing worship leaders and amazing, you know, albums to listen to, but the one thing that I think is is that I wasn't being filled up by going and listening to someone else who's been in the secret place and studying and then putting out a song for five minutes. And, like, things are really tricky right now because everything's, like, marketed as worship. Like, they figured out the formula of what's successful in a market of worship. Which has <laughs> done good things, like provide global resources for the church. Not barking on that at all. No, I think Super it's... Super valuable, it's but when that becomes the goal... Yeah. Yeah. And I think for us, too, as, as, as young leaders, we're starting to sense and, and feel the we're in a really crucial moment for us and the people on our teams to really, really go after this spirit and truth thing and really heavy emphasis on 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 truth and getting back into into to that aspect. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Um, um, OK, hold on. Go to this. Yes. Hold on one second. Okay. Just a couple of notes that are right down. He gave us a, he gave us the Bible, mm-hmm. revelation of who he is. 
what his heart longs for that's in there and what offerings to worship are pleasing to him that's also in there. And in Proverbs, desire without knowledge is not a good thing. You've got, to, you've, got to, you've got to get the articulation and understanding of who God is in your heart before it becomes an expression that is pleasing to him. And that, I mean, even, like I said, I've had, that's just a breakthrough that I've had is, is getting the articulation and the understanding of who he is scripturally, and it's opened up my entire verbiage of praise. And it's allowed me to take things, circumstances, or moments in my life or things that have been difficult or blessings or gifts from him and give him the appropriate response from that place of knowledge of who he is. Yeah. Make sense? Yeah. Cool. Yeah.